28. So two places. So Romans 6 and Matthew 28. And we'll go um, to those two spots. I'm going to take a look at it. And as you're turning there, I'll open up in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for um, the gift of eternal life. And we thank you that we're never going to have to pay for a debt um, that we can never cover, Lord. And, and we thank you for that, God. We thank you, Lord, that um, your grace empowers us to live um, a life as Jesus lived. We're able to do that. It's a reality for us. It's not some far-off, um, wishful hope. But the life that Jesus lived and, and the type of man that he was, that, that same life is um, not only available to us, but promised to us. And I pray that you'd build a hunger in our hearts to want to grab that by faith. And I know that faith will grow, Lord, by being in communion with you and by knowing your heart and understanding your word. And I pray that we would just do all that we can to put ourselves in position, Father, to hear your heart and what you have to say and um, to just grow in communion and fellowship with you. That we'd be able to clearly identify where your voice is and where your voice is not. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that um, you would speak to our hearts a better understanding of this symbolism of baptism and what it means. So we give this time over to you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So baptism 101. So we'll talk about this just a little bit, and then uh, we'll, we're going to leave some time for some testimonies um, and people sharing about why they're getting baptized. So let's start off with this question. I'll start off with this question, and then we'll just highlight a couple of things um, because there's no way we can talk about everything forever about you know, baptism for all time. Um, here's a question, and hopefully this is something that we know. Um, so let's take a look at it. So it says... Um, if salvation is attained by grace through faith, okay, so hopefully we know this part. So that's like a, a basic assuming premise. Hopefully we all know that salvation, salvation, so being able to be saved, salvation, be saved from our sins, that is attained by grace through faith, so we get salvation, we get saved by a faith, by a belief that Jesus paid a price on our behalf, that we had a debt of sin that we could never pay on our own, that we were never called to pay on our own, that a Savior came, died in our place, then lived in our place, and we believe that and receive that and say, Lord, in response to that, I'm going to change and repent in my life. I'm going to change the direction I was headed because I can see where that was headed. And I can see where you're headed. So I'm no longer going to head this way anymore. And after this stuff, I'm going to pull a 180 and not keep going in a 360. Right? We're going to go, I'm dizzy. We're going 180 this way after you, after things of you, after your heart after what you have for my life. That's what a Christian is. That's what happens in, in a Christian's mind, a believer's heart and a believer's mind. I receive in faith what Jesus did for me, and I'm no longer going this direction. I'm going this direction. And kind of a scary thing that's happened in the Christian church is that, um, unfortunately, a lot of times it's preached that uh, you can you know, receive and believe and go after Jesus and you know, mentally assent to Him, um, but still keep going the way you're going, and he'll kind of hop on board with you and just go the same way. Now, like, it's, it's, supposed, it's supposed to be a total change, like a change. Not like I'm going to include him now in the direction that I'm going. It's like, no, you're the captain of the ship. Which way are we going? I'm throwing that aside. Uh, that's really scary. I don't even, I, I've never even done this before. I don't even know where I'm going or what you're doing, but I'm going this way because you're my Savior. You saved me from my sins, and I can trust you with my future. Right? So that's like, that's the gospel. That's the good news. Um, that's our Savior. That's Jesus who came to pay for our sins. And a Christian says, 
I see this. I've been presented with the gospel. I've been, his spirit is made real. I don't want to go there. I want to go here. I'm changing. I'm going this way. And I can't do it on my own, but his Holy Spirit is going to empower me to go this way. So it's not about becoming a better person. It's about becoming a saved person. So that salvation is attained. That happens by believing it and receiving it, and the grace empowers us to live it out. Right? So salvation happens through faith. It happens through faith. Through really believing it, and you can tell if you believe it or not, if you actually see the change happening in your life and in your heart. And it happens at different capacities, at different levels for different people. And some people like to leave that, use that as an excuse to go really slow and avoid a lot of things. But it's also still true that people move at different paces, hoping in an honest and repentful way. They're heading towards Christ and heading in His direction. So if faith is really all that counts at the end of the day, then why institute a ritual or an ordinance of baptism that shows you made that faith? It's a good question. Because if faith is the thing that saves us from our sins and empowers us for this life, then why even create a sort of ritual or an outward thing that shows that you made that faith? Why do that? It's a pretty good question. Um, the Bible never says, God never says in His Word, this is why I instituted the ordinance, or some churches will call it the sacrament, or the ritual of baptism. He never says this is why I did it. He tells us a lot about what it means and what it symbolizes. Um, he set a model with Jesus doing it. He said, sent the guy, John the Baptist, who prepared the way and did it. But there's never a clear you know, explanation of why are we doing this. But he does say to do it. Um, so think about you know, that question you know, in your minds, and we're going to talk about some of that today, because all the Bible, see, this is not this whole thing about baptism and how all this works and all these questions. It doesn't come down to really our opinions. It comes down to what the Word says. So it doesn't really matter what I think or what I believe, and it doesn't even really matter what you think or what you believe. It matters what the Word says, if that's really God talking. So that's the part we really care about. Okay, God, so what do you say about baptism? So you didn't tell us exactly why you instituted it, but what else is there? Are we supposed to, you know, get sprinkled? Um, is there like an age? Can somebody do it um, as a family? What, are, what should we be thinking when we get baptized so we better understand what you tried to communicate to us through your word and through your spirit? Because I, th I think that we would... Right, those of us that call ourselves Christians, we want to be thinking the same thing that God thinks about what he told us. Right? We'd like to be thinking the same. Unfortunately, it's really easy to like, be thinking other stuff. So let's dig in and you know, we'll take a look at some things. So in your bulletin, i got a couple of things. Um, baptism is not. So I tried to just come up with like a top four, top five list that hopefully will be helpful. So baptism is not. Um, baptism is not a rite of passage. Like, it's been reduced down to a lot of times, like, uh, um, you know, like you just got your license, like you just graduated from preschool, you just graduated from high school, like, uh, you know, you said your first words, you took your first steps. Like, there's like these first, like, moments in life that are significant, which baptism is significant, but it's not a step that every person and every human um, will willingly want to go through. Only some people, some humans are going to say, I've counted the cost. I see that this is what God is asking for me. I am going to lay down myself and deny myself and follow after him. Not everybody's doing that. So it's not like a rite of passage for all people. Um, but a lot of times we're just, you know, as a society we like to celebrate like, like events and special things and so it can be turned into, it's like, oh, um, you know, first baptism, you know, and then it's just like a, ah, oh, man, that, like, that's not it, right? That's totally missing the point. Um, so it's not like a rite of passage. Um, it's not a quest for becoming a better person. Like, that's not it. But that's a popular phrase that's used a lot, you know, being a better person. 
And um, I don't know if our idea of better and God's idea of better are the same thing. God is more interested in us becoming a holy, sanctified person. And then he will determine like what better is through that. A lot of times what we did think is better is not always his idea of better. So, I mean, he wants to set us apart for his will and what he has for us. Hopefully we're on board with that. That's what he's going after. So it's not really a rite of passage. It's not really a quest for becoming a better person. Um, it's not even something that believers, Christians, really have a choice in the matter. Like, if we call ourselves a Christian, you know, I, I don't really have a choice in the matter. Because he makes it really clear in his word, places like Acts 2, Acts 8, we're going to look at another passage, um, that if you're a Christian and a believer, you don't really have a choice in the issue. It's like, hey, if you call yourself a believer, you get baptized. And one of the things that stinks is that we don't have a baptism tank here, or we don't have a river kind of flowing through the church. So that would be cool, right? So when we build our building, we're going to have a river. Um, don't drown. So we'll have life vests on the side. Um, but the deal should be is that when somebody submits and surrenders their life, Hey, all right, we're getting dunked right then and there. There's not like this time gap, and it only happens during the summer at the lake. Like, it's kind of cool, but it's, it's not really the most biblical way. Not at all. It was an outward expression of as soon as somebody surrendered their life, they're like, I'm going in, I'm getting dunked. You know, there's not like some sort of, well, can you, should you, you know. No, it's just an outward expression of a faith they already decided to make. Well, what if they don't know anything? Well, chances are, yeah, they didn't know a lot when they did it, but they're going to learn as they go. Just like marriage, you don't know a whole lot when you're standing up there and everybody's feeling awesome and looking great and smelling great. You're going to learn a lot, though, as time goes on. Yeah, that's right. And it's not time to check out then. Then it's time to hunker in and be like, man, those vows meant a lot. I'm going to stick to them. And then it's really, well, I didn't know what it was really going to cost. And man, people get really stuck in that one. Hey, if we committed and we made the vows, we're in it. Because that would just put us in a position in life to where every time we can just count every little thing and consider every little possible cost and sacrifice that might make us, like then we'll decide to do it. How many people know God doesn't really work that way? He just says, surrender and be moldable, and I'll take you where you want to go. That's what he does. So it's not a rite of passage. It's not really a quest for becoming a better person. It's not something believers really have a choice in. It's just a matter of obedience. Um, and it's not, hopefully, just reduced down to a religious routine. Hopefully it's not just reduced to a religious routine that people just, like, you're getting baptized, yeah, I'm getting baptized, you know, I'm just dead to it. So, just a couple of words here. Um, take a look at, and I just want to look at baptism as two things. Baptism, baptism is important for, like, us to understand as a church, and as church as a whole with the big C, and it's important for understand baptism um, as an individual, as a person. So as a church... Take a look at that Matthew 28 passage. Um, we're going to be Matthew 28, verse 19. So this is as a church. That's why it says in your bulletin, as a church. We're thinking about baptism as a church, as a whole. What did God say to the church? How should the, the church handle baptism? It says, therefore go, because you guys make up the church, right? We make up the church. That's who we are. You guys are it. Part of Sisinagi. You're the church. Some people are excited about that. Somebody said, yeah, amen. That's good stuff. Eric did. He's on. He says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the church is called to make disciples. So we're called to do, make disciples. Disciple is synonymous with followers. Make followers. Um, make, um, you know, people that are interested in, that believe in, that want to pursue after Christ-likeness. Make those people. Hey, church, do that. Make a bunch of Christ-likeness people where love takes over their life and they transform the world by the way they love and interact because they've been with me and they know in my heart. So we're called to do. How do you do that? Well, here's what Jesus said. He said, do that by baptizing them in the name in whose name? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's what we do. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you baptize them, and how? You teach them. 
So the church wants to make disciples? Well, hopefully the church is baptizing people and teaching people. And teaching them to obey everything he's commanded us to do. Not stuff that we think is a good idea. Right? So the local church has a role in this baptism. Because hopefully the local church is interested in making disciples, not just making money. Hey, you. Right? We're not interested in really making money. We're interested in making disciples and being obedient to what he asks of us. Okay, so that's as a church. So now let's go to the individual. All right, for the individual. Now, now we go to our Romans 6. Now we'll be there. And we'll just settle there for a couple of minutes, and then we're sharing um, some testimonies. Romans 6. Okay, as an individual... The thing that we want to center on is that it's an act of obedience for the Christian. It's an act of obedience. And something we want to think about as we go through this is um, what is God trying to teach us and show us through baptism? Because he doesn't really tell us why he instituted it, but what is he trying to teach us and show us through it? So that's, like the, that's the question I hope that you have in your mind as we're taking a look at this for an individual. Because what is God trying to teach us and show us through baptism? What's he trying to teach us and show us through baptism? So let's take a look. Um, so actually, we're going to start in Romans um, 5, verse 20. It says, The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Right, and so that's the way some people are looking at it. It's like, well, hey, if grace covers my life all the time, I guess if I sin more often, there's more grace on my life. <laughs> Paul's like, no, that's like, no, no, that's just not it. You're missing it. So he says, verse 2, by no means, don't look at it that way. Here's how you're supposed to look at it. We died to sin. We are dead to it. How can we live in it any longer? We died to sin. Or verse 3, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, excuse me, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So again, that question um, is, what is he trying to speak and teach us um, through baptism? Well, here we go. It says, by no means. So should we just keep sinning and like, keep doing this stuff? People are, people are always thinking about what can we get away with. Like, how far can we go before God is like really irritated and we might suffer and he might bring down a heavy hand on something? Like, we just, I don't know, our minds just go there naturally really quick. Um, and you just see it when they're little and when they're growing up, you know. It's just, you tell them to do something, but they want to figure out exactly. Like, Judson is at that stage right now where he is just, he's testing the waters. It just happened within the past, like, month. Just happened. So, um, you know, just, just this morning, you know, we were, uh, <laughs> he was at the stairs. The stairs go down in the basement, and they're not really good, safe stairs and not, like carpeted well and no railings. They're just, it's not a good situation. Um, so judge me if you want, but we're working on it. So he's like standing at the stairs and he's right there. And I'm like, Judson, don't you do it. And he just looks at me. And uh, then he looks back at the stairs. And then he stops looking at me. And I said, and I could just see the wheels. Now he's thinking, should I do it? Should I not? Like what? So I'm like, don't do it, but don't do it. And so then he finally looks, and he gives me just a little grin, and he sticks his toe right on this step. So he's like, can I do this? You know, I'm like, not going, but I'm close. And he's, te- and he's just been doing stuff like that all the time lately. You know, and parents know, you know, you got kids. They're testing, right? They're testing. Like, we do similar things like that with the Father, where it's like, well, we have this grace in our lives, and he's given us a new life. And in Christ Jesus, we're a new creation. And so... I guess that means we can, how far can we go? Like, how many good things can I do? You know, and, and, and that question and that, and that mindset was there. And, 
And Paul tried to address it, and he's like, oh, man, you're thinking the wrong way. He's like, the way you should be thinking is when you became a Christian, His Spirit lived inside of you, and you became dead to sin. Dead to it. Now, here's the difficulty. The difficulty is that we're thinking, well, if I'm dead to sin, how come I can still sin? Like, I just did something, or I've been stuck in such and such, or I just did such and such. So if I'm dead to it, I have the capability to sin, so I guess this thing isn't dealt with yet. That's a good question. That's something good to think about. Let's carry that a little further, right? And Hadeen's like, yes, we should talk about that more. Carry that further. It's a good thing to be thinking about. So we're dead, right? We are dead, and again, this... So the answer to the question should not just be my opinion, right? We want to know, what does the Bible say? What does the Word say? Now, what does Jared say? What does the other guy say? What does that say? Just what does God say? Does He address it? So, He says we're dead to it in this passage. And I think you see, as we read it, several times He said we're dead. And I didn't put all the verses up, um, but there's Colossians 3, um, 1 Peter. There's a bunch of places where it says we are dead to sin. And you can read those later this week if you want. So we're dead in a sense when we become Christians and we ask God into our hearts and into our lives. And then we stand before the judge, right? We stand before the Father, we stand before Jesus. He's also actually Jesus going to be one judging. And we stand before that sin that was in our lives is gone, it's paid for, he didn't even see it. His sacrifice, his blood is all that he sees on our life. And all he sees is the spirit that was within us because it's deposited. Like, God, think about this. God cashes in when we die and we stand before him. It's a good picture about how much he loves us. He's cashing in. The deposit of the Holy Spirit is in us and he cashes in on the deposit and withdraws on that when we die and we stand before him. It's awesome. So we're dead to sin in that sense. It doesn't count against us. Like, eternally, we are secured. It's settled. And there's nothing, anything anyone can do about it. And there's nothing that the enemy can steal or snatch away from that. It's awesome. Nothing can separate us. Height nor depth, enemies, nothing. Romans 8. Can't be separated from that love. So we're dead to sin in that sense. Now, what about our capability to sin? Because who knows that we have the capability to sin? Two hands up, right? We got the, it's easy. It's like, it's second nature because it is, right? More like our first nature. We're getting our second nature, right? It's just easy. It's natural. It's, it's like reflexive. It's just, it's easy. It's just a reaction. We can sin just at the drop of a hat. Now, what's the deal with that? Because if we're dead to it, how come we can do that? Well, here's the other deal. In Colossians 3, and in other places, but Colossians 3 is a nice spot. Colossians 3, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'll try and get there quick. Um, In Colossians 3, it says this, verse 5. Put to death. Interesting. Put to death. But I thought we're dead to sin. Well, we are. But I guess there's also more work to do. Eternally, we're secure. But as we live our lives and we interact with people and we make choices and we make decisions and we have feelings and we go through things, the Holy Spirit is still cutting things away and removing things that would get in the way of God transforming us into the image of Christ. And we are called because we have a mind and we have like volition, a will. We are also called to play a part in this thing to willingly choose to put some things away, to be done with it. Some of it is on us as we live out this life here Eternally done. As we live here, we play a part. The Holy Spirit's carrying the bulk of the load, but we play a part to willingly choose to be dead to things, to put them to death. And so that's what he's talking about in Colossians 3 here. So verse 5, put to death. Really? What kind of stuff? Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. (laughs) Well, that's pretty big. Sexual immorality. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. 
You think desires has something to do also with emotions? If you desire something, you probably have emotions that are also attached to that. Even those have to be redeemed and saved, and we've got to put those to death. But I'm feeling this so strong. I really feel like, hopefully the Christian is like, Lord, I understand that my sinful nature could like be involved in this. And I want to make sure that it's not. So let me know if I should be now, re- I should be reacting out of these feelings. Because our feelings need to be saved as well. They need to be made whole as well. And he's doing work with those feelings. So lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. It says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Remember we talked about? The Christian goes one way, heads another way. So it'd be silly to be like, well, can I just keep heading the same direction so that grace increases? It's like, no, you're not getting it. Like, go the other way. You're, you're dead to that. Like, for the Christian, it's like, oh my, I don't even want to go over there anymore. There's no value there. My destiny and my value and who I am and who God created me, I'm never going to see if I go that way. I only want to go this way. And so many times... The Christian gets like stuck with things over there, but because it's familiar, because we kind of know what's over there, um, maybe we've created habits over there. We're easily able to identify things there. Um, when things were tough before, we'd run over there, and it's familiar territory, it's familiar ground. So we go there. Then we adapt certain behaviors and certain things when we're over there, and we know what those things are. All of us have our things. And he's saying, no, pursue and go after me. There's no life there. Life is found over here. So Paul's saying, man, you used to walk in those ways in the way you once lived. He says, verse 8, but now you must rid yourselves. Again, there's this right, idea that we have to put to death, we have to rid ourselves. We are called to play a major part. To put the kibosh on stuff in our lives. We're called to do it. So we're, we're called, you can't really put the kibosh. Say kibosh. Yeah, come on, you do it good. Kibosh, do it. Yeah. Like, we're called to do that. It's really tough to do that, though, if we don't know what to put the kibosh on. Like, we have to have the ability to realize, okay, this is from the Lord. i got to pursue after that. This is not good anymore. i got to put the Right? So it takes some wisdom and discernment to put the There you go. You guys are getting it now. Right? It takes wisdom and discernment to be able to do that. And we can't do that in our own flesh. We have to be close with our Father to be able to understand and do that. Being alone with Him and spending time with Him and talking to Him, pouring out our hearts to Him and being in the Word, knowing what it says. But I'm feeling this and I want to do that. But Lord, what's Your Word say? I'm going to believe it in faith even though every fire of my being is like making me feel I want to go another direction. Even if it makes it seem impossible. I could never, I don't see how that could work out. That just seems ridiculous. To the, man, if the Lord is doing it and we know it's His voice, we just got to go. Sometimes faith doesn't make sense. It's true. All right, and then he just talks more about what that stuff looks like that needs to be put to death. I'd read it this week. It's good stuff. It's good stuff to refresh in our minds and be aware of the kind of things where God says, man, this stuff just shouldn't have a place. Because sometimes it's hard to see, like, what should have a place and what shouldn't. So, as an individual for baptism, it means we are dead to sin, dead to a former way of life. So when we baptize these people that are going to speak in a minute, um, when it comes to the baptism, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to have so-and-so, and so now I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we go, Whoosh. I'm not going to then hold them under and be like, let's make sure this is really happening. You need to be dead, brother. You know, and put them in there. Like, you don't hold them in there. You know, you don't stay dead, right? That's the picture. That's the imagery. Is that as Jesus was in the earth, so we go under the water, right? We're dead with him. We align ourselves with him in that death. It's crazy we can do that in faith. What kind of God does that? It's incredible. So we are one with him in that, and then we come up out of the water, and that's the resurrection of that new person coming out in a new life now. That's going to happen. It's a cool thing. This is an awesome picture. And the, just the word itself in Greek, baptizo. Baptizo means to 
fully immerse. So that's why this idea of sprinkling and, you know, whatever, all these creative ways to baptize people, right? Really, the early church and Jesus himself, I mean, full immersion was just, just what they did. It's just what's done, and so that's just what we do. Um, and so baptizo, that word, they would use it in reference to garments and clothing. Um, when you would take a garment, and we talk about this stuff when people are getting baptized and kind of get an idea of what baptism means, and, and it's a good illustration, and it uses the original language. So you take a garment of clothing, you know, you take a white shirt, and what they would do is they'd take their white shirt and they would baptizo it into the dye, say a blue dye, they'd baptizo it into that blue dye, and that white shirt then comes up blue. And so you take that white shirt, and as you baptizo it into the water, all of that white becomes blue. Everything of blue, all those molecules, and however that works, it all attaches itself to the dye in the white, and when you raise it up out of the water, the white shirt is never ever seen as a white shirt ever again. It's only seen as blue. So we're called to be as Christians. That's baptism right there. It's called to show that, man, when we are baptized in Christ, man, that old life when we used to do before, man, at some period of time, it's all going to be gone. We're not even going to be recognizable anymore. It's only going to be Christ in our life is the way that we're recognized. By the way that we interact with people, by the way that we talk, the type of patience level that we have, um, the way that we think about others before ourselves, how selfless we are, um, how we're not so concerned with how other people need to change, but how God is doing a change in us. These are the things that are happening. Right? It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So he says, Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him into the water through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we come out through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And I'm going to cheat and go a little bit more. Verse 5. We, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And man, if we've been freed, why do we want to go back and try and get ourselves locked up in that mess again? And a lot of times that's easier said than done, especially if we've built up habits on that side. So sometimes it requires a more detailed surgical operation where other people need to also get involved to a really serious level. Because if it's a really serious thing and somebody's like, ah, I'm a Christian now and me and God, we got it. We're missing it. We're missing it. Could be, it could be just being used as an excuse to not let God really get in there and do some really serious detailed surgery that needs to happen. But I have a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, well, that's good. Are you open to anything that he wants to do in your life? Hope that's the case. All right, I'm cutting into these guys' time. So here we go. Um, So the question was, we wanted to think about what is God trying to show us and portray to us through baptism? He's trying to show us what happened when we became Christians. He's trying to show us through baptism what happened when we became a Christian. So it's just a symbolism of what happened to us. We were buried with him. We get to rise again with a new life. That's what he's showing us through baptism. And it's just an outward symbol. It's just an outward symbol. Just like this wedding ring, you know, I'm with Julie, and so if I go... I'm not married anymore, you know? Like, I hope I find that. I'm not married anymore, right? And if I don't, I'm not married anymore. That, that's crazy. It's not the ring that makes me married. It's the vows at the altar that makes... Yeah, you found it? Yeah. Oh, thanks. She can get me in trouble. <laughs> and it's on video, so this is great. So, even if I lose it, right, it's the vows, the commitment, that's the thing that matters. It's, it's whatever the person did in that moment with Christ and said, Lord, my life is yours. I know that life is found in you. I know that I have sinned and I'm a sinner. I know that I need you to save me. I give myself to you. That's what saved them. The baptism is just a sign. 
It's just a sign that the faith happened. So it'd be silly for a Christian to be like, well, I don't really need to get baptized. Like, what do you mean? God said to do it. If you gave your life to him, you're like, you just do it. So one last thought, and then we're going to have people come up. Um, here's what I wrote down. You know when you are experiencing the born-again life and the new life when your heart rejoices and agrees with Galatians 2.20. You know that that work of baptism and a born-again believer, that that stuff is happening and going on. Because sometimes it's hard to see because, like I said, we're capable of the sin and sometimes what we're seeing is real ugly. But we know that we're headed in the right direction and our hearts are getting towards the right place if we can agree with and rejoice in what's going on in Galatians 2.20. So let's just take a look at that and then we're going to have um, a, couple, a few people share. Galatians 2.20. Here we go. This is sort of a, um, a marker here, a barometer we can measure by. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, man, I live this thing by faith, and the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If your heart rejoices at that and is like, yes, and is like, that's what I'm going after, or even if your heart is like, oh, man, all right, I don't know if I quite saw it that way before, but I know that's where I need to be, man, that's a good thing. He's doing a good work. If you can stand in agreement with that, your heart is good and God is pleased, and don't let the enemy come back and like condemn you with all kinds of failures that you might have going on along the way. Because things are getting worked out. If your heart can rejoice in that, and you desire and you're pursuing after that Galatians 2.20 kind of mindset, it's a good thing. And go aggressive and go hard after that. And if somebody's heart is not there at all, man, I hope your heart does get there. It's worth everything, including your entire eternity. And some people are working that thing out. And hopefully, while they're working that thing out, hopefully the Christians around are able to manifest the love and forgiveness that we've experienced in our life helps make their decision a little bit easier. I hope so. I hope we can be looked at that way. Because that's what God's doing in us. He's making us become love and become the gospel in our lives. So Galatians 2.20 is a good barometer. All right. So a few people are going to share this morning. Um, so, let me just make sure. Is this guy unmuted? Hey, it is. Nice. So, um, we'll have a few people come up and share. And so, um, I'll do that after. Um, what they're going to do, so here's a, uh, so people that are sharing, the temptation is to talk fast and hurry up and get it done. Um, just talk slow and... Um, yeah, and read or just speak and just enjoy um, that God is doing a good work in your life and you're just sharing it. You should just be, so the words don't even really matter. When you're excited, somebody asks you how Six Flags was or you went skydiving or whatever, are you thinking about like all the words you're going to use and how it's going to come out? It was awesome. I don't even know. Like we did this and we did that and you probably went back and forth and said the same words, like whatever. You know, you're just sharing. You're just rejoicing in what he did. Um, so I guess... Um, Let's have, uh, you know, so who goes first, right, is really the question. Um, so I know Josh is down. So Josh, this is Josh Murphy. Um, and, uh, yeah. Josh Murphy is my brother, and um, he's decided uh, to also get baptized, and he's going to share a little bit with us. You're on, brother. So yeah, Pastor Jared did pressure me to be up here this morning, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Free will. Um, anyways, uh, just trying to loosen up a little bit. Anyways, so uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, like Jared said, my name is Josh, and uh, I'm up here because I've decided to uh, get baptized. <clears throat> for the Christian, uh, it's a huge deci- decision to make, uh, so let me just take a minute to share my heart on uh, this decision. I've been saved for uh, quite a while now, so I'm choosing to do this out of obedience to God and His Word. Um, 
In most cases where someone chooses to, to get baptized, there has been uh, a conversion to Christianity fairly recently. Um, in my situation, that's not the case. Um, so many of you are probably wondering why I've waited so long <clears throat> to get baptized. The reason for me is that it just kind of took me a while to figure out the importance behind it and uh, why I should do it. I didn't really know much about it. Um, I became saved at a very young age, and through that journey, I had a lot of uh, back-and-forth moments, meaning uh, I would pursue Christianity for a season, then go, go right back to what I was doing before, which was basically allowing sin to rule the day. I, I knew what the truth was the entire time I would turn my back on him. The time where I really made the decision to leave everything my flesh desired behind was, say, probably around last summer. Um, so my dad and I uh, have been going to uh, father-son camp ever since I was five. Five. And one of the days I was there, he took me up on a huge hill to tell me something. Um, he read me this passage from 1 Corinthians 13.11. It says, uh, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I will never forget my dad shaking and crying when he told me that he thought of me as a man and what a real man is. After I had this experience, I chose to truly lay myself down and pursue my Christianity. It wasn't long after that when I thought about baptism. I didn't know much about it, and uh, one night I was reading uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and this passage came up. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who was above all and through all and in you all. As I read this, uh, the Lord really spoke to my heart. And um, Jesus himself was baptized and set a model for us, and he commands his followers to be baptized as well. Um, here, here we see it in uh, Matthew 29, 19 and 20. Uh, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And again in Acts 2, verse 28. Uh, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall, be, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, and to your children, and to all of you who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Um, after I, you know, studied these passages more and um, kind of figured out the importance behind it, and that it's basically a commandment, and you know, we should do it out of obedience. Uh, I, I felt convicted to tell my brother Jared about the decision, which I, which I just told him like a couple of days ago. So it's kind of like a last minute thing, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot we were doing the Sunday Fun Day baptism." So uh, getting baptized in front of my church family uh, really couldn't have been a better scenario for me. And um, you know, it's that I, I like I like that situation better than you know just getting baptized in front of everybody else. So it makes me feel a little more comfortable. And I, you know, grew up in this church for a while, you know, been a part of it for a while. So it's, it's nice to, you know, share, share it all with you. So thank you.
lawn up here because I'm going to be baptized. And thank you for the tissues. And um, I'm going to be baptized because I just feel like that's what I'm supposed to do if I'm going to follow Jesus. I have to go take the plunge. <laughs> so I'm, I just want to start by thanking God for giving me the strength to be up here crazy that I am, and for my family that I know would no longer be my family if it wasn't for God saving me. (sighs) For such a great church family, and I prayed that God would surround me by positive people and people that would encourage me to love instead of encourage me to hate. He surrounded me by so many of them. This blows my mind. When I think about where I was last year and where I am today and the people that are in my life today as opposed to a year ago, it's just a miracle. I don't know. I have all this stuff written down. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know where I am. I have to find my spot. (laughs) I was... um, I was raised in Catholic, but it wasn't really a way of life. It was just something you did every Sunday, sometimes. Um, It was a pretty dysfunctional Catholic home, and that was a way of life. I wasn't raised to encourage people or praise them. I was raised to bash them and criticize them and attack them, because that's how you taught people to be better, I thought. I remember being a kid and feeling bad about that sometimes. Well, no, I felt bad about that, and I would think how bad they must feel for what I said if I felt as bad for saying it. But as time went on, I didn't really have that second thought anymore, and I got really good at being really bad. And Well, I I did have a second thought. It was they were warned plenty. Plenty. But I don't want to be that person anymore, and I know that I'm not that person anymore. And that was God. That wasn't me. I walked into this church last October at like the darkest hour of my life, and before I even had a chance to get out of here, like the devil was telling me to do, Julie popped over and she's like, Hi. <laughs> And I was like, great, now I have to stay because they already saw me. <laughs> and she welcomed me and she told me how glad she was that I was here. And I remember thinking, me too, because I really had nowhere else to go. But it changed my life. And I'm just going to keep living my life according to his will, the way he wants me to, and not the way I want to because I did it all wrong. And that's that. I don't know. Amen. <laughs> wow, is that what I is that what my face looks like? <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if I'll do as well as everybody else. Josh put me to shame. Um, I almost don't even know where to start. But I will read, because I tend to put my feelings on paper better than just winging it. Although, I didn't say I wasn't going to improvise. Um, what the Lord and being baptized means to me. I've been a Christian since I was a little girl. I've always felt a void or something was missing. I've spent the majority of my life running from God instead of to him. He's always had his hand out for me, and I never could seem to grasp onto it. A big part of that, I think, was 
not being baptized and cleansed of all my sins. One thing, although there are several, that's been part of the void. I love the Lord with all my heart, and I know deep down being cleansed of all my sins will make my relationship with God stronger than ever. It's never too late with God, and that's just one of the many wonderful things about the Lord. It's never too late, and he loves us all unconditionally, no matter what. And it's a darn good thing, because I probably wouldn't still be here. I have my family to thank for that. So thank you so much. Sorry about that. But it's, uh, uh, you can't really put words to, you know, when God's doing a work in somebody's life. And, and, you know, it can just turn into a thing where you just hear a guy speaking, you know, every week and it's just, you know, he's saying what he's saying. And, but when the Spirit is interacting and working in people's hearts and in their lives, that's the testimony that, you know, can't be faked. You can try to fake it, you know. Some people try to do for a long time. But a true, humble, and repentant heart encounters its Savior and changes their life forever. One, you can never shut them up. And two, they're never going to be the same. Never going to be the same. So Father, we just thank you, Lord, for just using our little church to just play a part in your plan. We thank you, Lord, just for using us. We pray, Father, that you would guard us and protect us from the enemy's schemes. He's seeking to to steal things that are spoken here. He's seeking to drive wedges in, in relationships here. He's seeking to highlight, Lord, um, only the parts that seem to cost us a lot to keep our eyes off of freedom. And Father, I thank you that you've been with us and we ask, Holy Spirit, you continue to just use us and our inadequacies, Lord, and, you know, lack of just a lot of things, Lord. We're inadequate in so many ways, just, you know, as a church and individually. But Father, we just, um, I pray that we would just be a church and I pray that we would be people that would absolutely be obedient to what you ask and be hungry for the bread of life. But I also pray that we'd be a group of people, individually and as a church, to where we'll offer just the, whatever we have, five loaves and two fish, or half a fish and a little bit of bread, whatever it is. I pray that we'd be a people and just offer it to you. Truly offer it to you. And ask you to have your way with it. <clears throat> 